This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I want to talk about a vision, having a vision of who you can be. I want to read a, a story from John's Gospel. I just think it's, it's a story that absolutely, I just love this story. I think there's so much in it. But I want to look at it from the basis of having a vision of, of who you can be. John 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he was already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And that led to all kinds of reaction to that. Yeah, something about having a vision of what you could be. It kind of lifts your hope. It kind of lifts that aspirations inside you when you when you just get a vision of, of what you could be i think so many of us just live with so well below what god wants us to be how many feel that sometimes and i just want to encourage you this one, to have a vision of who you could be jesus asked this man an incredible question because this man had been living we're told for 37 years of his life with an incredible limitation. People can live incredible years of their life with limitations. And I just feel this when God wants to break some of those limitations, you say amen. Now, here's this story of this man. This man I'd know. The word Bethsaida incidentally means that it means a house of mercy. And multitudes would gather at this pool because they knew. It was almost like a gateway where the supernatural broke in. And so multitudes would gather at this place. And we're told there were people, desperate people, all kinds of people, multitudes, many, many people with desperate limitations on their life, all gathered around this pool, waiting to somehow 
get a supernatural breakthrough into their limitation and into their lives. Everyone would come hoping today that they would get their miracle. Imagine how this man felt that every time somebody else got the miracle, somebody else got the encounter, somebody else had the the, the supernatural touch from God. And so here's this man, 37 years, everybody else seeming to be touched and moved. People, multitudes after multitudes, waiting for an answer. I think it's just like our community. Among our friends, many people who are just looking for something. Maybe you're here this morning and and you desperately need a breakthrough in your life. You desperately need something of God's supernatural power to come breakthrough into your life. Can you say amen? Now, let's look at some of the people there. We're told some of the conditions of the people there was there were those that were blind. That was one of the conditions over there. Can I spiritualize the Lord and saying maybe often people can live their life, they have limitations on their life because they live their life with no vision. They've got no spiritual vision for their life. Just reading just the other day, I a lady called Helen Keller. How many have heard of Helen Keller? She was a lady that not only was blind, she was dumb, and also she was deaf. Think about it. Blind, dumb, and deaf. Just read something of her, of her autobiography. She said this. This is what it said of her. Helen Keller was born... Mute and blind and deaf. Her family hired a teacher named Annie Sullivan, who believed that Helen was intellectual and worthy. Annie taught Helen's sign language on her hands over and over. It took time to, to process that before Helen understood her ways of communicating. She had none of her natural senses to rely on except for touch and smell. But those who are not normally communication sense in that way as we commonly think of them. This repetition of handling Helen a doll and signing it on her hand over and over again, giving her water, then signing that as well, took a while. But then she had a breakthrough moment. But when it did, it opened up to her a whole new world of understanding. She learned so fast, she began to have huge ideas about the world around her. She couldn't see it through her eyes, but she could see it through her heart. She could hear it. Intellectual not actually understanding and believing what we know. For every natural principle, there's a spiritual principle. Sorry, I'll jump the page, forget that. Uh, through Through her ears, she had inner dialogue with God that helped, that helped her to listen. She couldn't speak, but through her voice, she was a spokeswoman for a generation of people and revealed principles that only one who had deeply awakened in herself could know. She taught all that you don't need natural senses, but your spiritual ones are imperative. She shared this through extremity vulnerability. 
and putting her life and weakness on display. As a result, she became an historical figure who is still celebrated today because she did not allow herself to be held back by her limitations. She taught us that humanity is not bound to their natural senses, but to their spiritual ones. This is exactly what she meant when she said, I can see, and that is why I can be happy. In what you call the dark, but which to me is golden, I can see a God-made world, not a man-made world. And it's a terrible thing, notice this, she said this, it's a terrible thing to see, but have no vision. It's a terrible thing to see naturally with your eye, but have no vision of what your life could be. And I think the way to stop your life getting sidetracked is to have a God-given dream for your life. Something quite clear, something you desire, something that you long for, something that really comes from your heart. Something that says, this is what I really want to become. I've got a vision of what my life can be in God. Can't see it with my natural senses, but in my spiritual eyes, I can see exactly the kind of person that God wants me to be. Amen. It says also that there were those that were lame, they couldn't walk. They were limited by their ability not to be able to walk. Bible says that we are to walk in the what? Walk in the spirits. If we're to fulfill the vision of what God's put into our lives, we need to learn to walk. Let me ask you this question. What's hindering your walk? Are you crippled by a fence? I think a lot of people can be crippled in their life by a fence. People can be crippled by disappointment, setbacks that have held your life back. People can be can be, if you like, crippled by a negative heart attitude. Something, something in the way of your thinking that stops you getting up and believing God. Something in your life that continually overcomes you. A stronghold. Some area that resists God from moving in your life. Could even be pride. That inability that says, God, I need you. I want you. I, I want to learn to flow with your spirit. Just want to, so the question is, what this morning is hindering your walk? What's stopping you from moving and walking in the spirit and hindering and holding you back from fulfilling the vision that God's got for your life? You ask yourself this question. If that issue wasn't in my life, what kind of person could I be? Think about it. If that low self-image wasn't there, I wonder what kind of person I could be. If that bitterness wasn't there, what kind of person could I be? If that fear wasn't there, that fear that grips my life wasn't there, I wonder what kind of person I could be. If that attitude wasn't there, I wonder what kind of person I could be. Think about it. Wouldn't it be better right now to face that issue, to face that limitation, to face that, 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 that area of your life that God is wanting to deal with? Wouldn't it be better to focus your attention on it for the next three weeks, next month, whatever it is, focus on it, and do whatever it takes to be free from it so you can live your life free from that limitation? Wouldn't it be better to do that? 
Rather than continue to live year after year after year, wouldn't you be willing to, to face up to deal and say, you know what, I'm going to deal with that, I'm going to face up to it, I'm going to confront it, because I'd rather live my life from this time on without it, rather than continue year in, year out, be battling with that same issue in my life. Amen? I want to be all that God wants me to be. Wouldn't it be worth breaking free of that limitation? Maybe that, that bondage of rejection, that, that, that sense of inferiority, that, that area of pride. Something that's stopping you from walking with God to your breakthrough. Why do you say, God, I'm going to get before you until I get the breakthrough? Until that breakthrough comes... I'm from this time on refusing from this time on to live my life without limitation on life. Amen. Here's the next thing. I think God wants to do a miracle for everyone. And often the thing that stops it is so often the attitude of heart or, or the attitude of faith. Think about this man. Week after week he would turn up. And week after week, somebody else would get there before him. Every single time. And I think there's that disappointment there. And that disappointment can be, can be a terrible thing when you have a dream and a hope. And there's continually disappointment to the point that you've given up hope. But one thing about this man that really challenges me, if you like, for 38 years he never gave up. Can you imagine that? 38 years. He just kept turning up, believing that today could be his day. Believing that at some moment he would get his breakthrough. But every single time somebody else kept getting the miracle. Everybody else kept getting the breakthrough. Do you sometimes feel like that? There always seems to be somebody else who gets the breakthrough. Always somebody else who seems to get the miracle. Or somebody else who always seems to, to get the dream. Always somebody else who seems to have it so much easier than the way you do. How many of you have ever felt that way? Timmy preached on last week, didn't you, Vazan, spoke about that God is no respecter of people. And that's a truth, isn't it? Sometimes we can think that God is, that God almost is the respecter of people. But the truth is, He isn't. He wants to favor everyone. He wants to bless everyone, and he wants to do a miracle for everyone. Amen. So here's this man. He turns up, and he seems to be like every other day. Turning up, angel comes down, somebody else jumps in the water before him. Seems to be like that day after day. Doesn't seem to be different from any other day, but I love this. But then Jesus walks. Jesus turns up sees him lying there, and the Bible says he knew he had been there a long time. Jesus knows the condition that you've suffered for a long time. He knows what you've been putting up with for a long time. He knows what's been happening in your life for a long time. He knows that disappointment you've had in your life for a long time. He knows the struggles you've had for a long time. He knows the limitations that you've lived with for a long time. But today is a different day. I dare to believe that today could be different for you. Amen. I dare to believe that today could be your day. Where your life has an incredible breakthrough. 
And that limitation that has held you for so long is broken and lifted from your life. Can you say amen? So see what Jesus does. Man lived 38 years of limitation of his life, living with perpetual disappointment, discouragement. And then Jesus says something to him. It's almost the last question you probably ask someone. Think about it. He's been there 38 years. Somebody's always beat him every single time. And Jesus says this to him, would you, do you want to be made whole? Isn't that a crazy question to ask someone who's 38 years? Would you be made whole? And here's the simple key. How many want transformation and change? You know what it begins with? It begins with actually wanting to change. When Jesus says, do you want to change? Do you want to, do you want to be made whole? That word means, do you purpose? Do you determine? Do you set your hand to? Do you take your hand to determine what I want to do in your life? And so Jesus says, do you want that? Do you really want to change? Do you really want spiritual breakthrough? Do you really want a touch from God for your condition? Do you really want to be made whole? Because there's the problem. When we've been through disappointment, when we've been through discouragement, when things that we've been praying for haven't changed as quick as we want them to have changed, that tends to happen. We lose the desire to want to change. And you'll never change unless you have the desire to change. Isn't that right? You'll never see any transformation unless you desire to see transformation. You'll never see a supernatural move of God unless you really really desire to see that. And the issue is, when we've struggled and battled with things over a long time, over a certain period of time, we actually lose the desire to want to change. And we'll never have transformation unless we really, really want to change. Unless we really desire it. And so we need to allow certain things to stir up the passion. To stir up the the desire to change. What area of, of your life today are you dissatisfied with right now? What area of your life are you unhappy about? What area would you like to be changed and different? Could be an attitude, could be a struggle, could be some relationship. This is what you need to do. Write down what that limitation is. Write it down. And then begin to believe and dream what your life could be without it. Maybe you want to, maybe you can look and say, you know what? There was a hurt that happened in my life, and, and that hurt that happened in my life has, has just held me back, really. And I'm seeing to the eye of faith what my life could be without that wound in my life anymore. That which happened in my past, that, that, that past that, where I was hurt, that, 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 that situation that happened in my past, and that area of my past has held my life for so long. 
what that person said to me, the way my parents treated me, what, that, what happened in my life. I can look back and I can see that area of my life and it's as if I'm still held by that area of my past. I'm going to dream and believe before God and see what my life would be if I was no longer gripped by that area of my past. And so, you start getting intimate with God. That bondage, that, that air rejections held your life. You begin to dream and believe and focus of what God could do in that situation. And the more you begin to focus on God on that, the more you begin to see that and look at God and, and you focus on, on what you could be, your passion begins to be stirred. You stir your passion to change. When you see what your life could really be and you begin to see have a, a God dream of what your life could be. It stirs your passion, it really does. It puts the desire to want to change. I see people in this book. When I read people in this book, it puts in me a desire to want to change. When I see what the early apostles did, when I see the lives of the great men of the Bible, when I read their lives, it stirs a passion in me to say, I don't want to be as I am, I want to be something like them. Just show me the guys. I, I, I've been reading John G. Lake. Have you read of John G. Lake? One of the great apostles. Early apostles, 1900s, one of the great apostles. Probably saw more signs, more wonders, more miracles than anyone else since apostle times. When I read that man's life, it stirred something in me that says, I want to be something like that man is. <laughs> it stirred my passion to want to change. I remember reading Reese Howell. I remember read Reese Howell Intercessor. I remember reading that book. Someone said to me, I don't know, it was Nigel, but somebody read that book three times a year. They read that book. It's almost when you read that book, something about that man's life stirs you. It says, I want to be something like that. I want to pray like that man prayed. I want to move heaven the way that man moved heaven. I want to touch other people's lives the way other people's lives are touched. And as other people, I think of... Forget her name, the, 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 a woman who works in Mozambique. All the amazing miracles that she sees. And, and, and you see the passion that she has for God as she reaches out, feeds kids on rubbish dumps, and, and the love and the compassion that she has for the hurting and broken. You know what it does? It stirs something in me and says, I want that kind of compassion. I want to love people like that. I want to love the unlovely like that. And so we need to open our hearts to the scriptures. And what we see in other people's lives, and the more we do that, it will stir a passion in you to want to change. Amen? It will stir that passion in you. Say, so you know what? I want to move beyond where I am. I want to move beyond where I am. So Jesus says to him, have you really got the burning desire to want to be made whole? Do you want to change? Do you want to be different? Do you want transformation? Do you want to live with this limitation? Do you want to continue to live your life with this limitation? Or do you want to be different and change and be transformed? He then says to him, this man then responds to him. Ever had this conversation? God says something to you and you kind of respond back because you're looking for a way out of it. <laughs> you're looking for an excuse of why God can't do what he said he would do in your life. And here comes this man. Well, Lord, he says, I've got no one to put me in the waters. There's no man that can place me in theirs waters. No one to help me. Notice what he's doing. He's focusing on what he doesn't have rather than what he does have. 
He begins to blame other people for his condition, for his limitation. And we'll never be changed, we'll never be transformed as long as we're blaming other people, other things for the way we are. It was their fault. It was what my parent did to me. It's what this and that. And we tend to excuse and, and blame others for the way that we are. And we build a whole victim mentality. I am where I am. I am what I am because I've got no man to help me. Jesus never said he needed a man to help him. He just said, look to me. Is that right? Just look to me. He's saying, look, if you want to really change, then get your eyes off the wrong sources. Get your eyes off looking to wrong sources that ultimately are never going to bring change. And get your eyes on the only true one who can truly change you. Amen? Get your eyes on me. And then Jesus says, so you've got to want to change. You've got to excuse any blame. And there's the third thing. You've got to get a word from Jesus. See, this man got a word from Jesus. A word that spoke into his spirit. He got a, a reamer, a now word from God himself. I think the greatest thing we need to do, I think real true transformation happens, is when you get a reamer, a quickened now word from God. You could have read a verse 101 times, and suddenly that verse just jumps out. Suddenly, God quickens that word to your heart. You'd read it a thousand times before, but now it's a word. In season, it's a word now for your life. And it's that now word, it's that rhema word, it's that quickening word that God speaks into your heart that really brings the change and transformation in your life. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm to have faith to change a condition or a situation, I need a now word from God to speak into my heart, to speak into my spirit, because when God speaks that word into my heart, into my spirit, faith arises. And when faith arises, something amazing is going to take place. Amen? So we've got a word from God. And I'd encourage you. Say, God, I need a word over my situation. Not a word that goes into my intellect, but I need a word that goes down into my spirit. Would you speak to me? As I read your word, I don't want to read it as an intellectual exercise. I just don't want to read it because that's the thing I've always done. But I'm asking you when I read your word that you would quicken a word to my life. That you would really speak to me about the situation and the circumstance I'm facing. Would you allow your Holy Spirit to speak a word to my heart? And when you get that word, it's going to change your life forever. That's what I've seen in my life. I remember many years ago, God said this word to me. And I'd read it a hundred times, but suddenly something came alive in me. Time when a lot of devastation was taking place in our lives. And God said this word. I knew it, I could quote it, but suddenly it came alive in my spirit. I will restore to you the years the locusts have stolen. And the thing the Lord lightened up in that verse was the word years. I was looking at years I felt I'd wasted. Years that I felt I'd given to something and it was just a waste. And that was really gripping my heart, this sense of waste in my life. 
And suddenly I saw this. God said, I'm going to restore yours. I'm going to do, I'm going to accelerate it. I'm going to do something in a moment that may have taken you years before. And I'm going to restore the years back to you by accelerating things in your life. And God did. He did in a moment that I thought he couldn't do in years before. And we're glad for that. And it's those kind of quickening words, those reaming, those now words, that actually begin to transform and change your life forever. And Jesus said to him, here's the word he said to him. He says, rise up and walk. In other words, when you get a word, then you respond to it. If you don't respond to it, it will be dormant in your life. You've got to respond and act on what God says. He says, here's a word, rise up and walk. Do something. Stretch. Do something. Do something you couldn't do before. Stretch. Do something. I've found that in healing. After when people stretch and do something they couldn't do before, it releases something of God's healing power into that condition, into that situation. Jesus said that time and time again. Every time he often came across physical conditions, he'd say to people, do something you couldn't do before. He says to the lame man, rise up and walk. It's a kind of opposite to what you do. And you'll find that time and time again. He looks for some action. He looks for some response. I remember many years ago, a man who had a very, very severe heart condition. If he was to walk just two steps, he'd be like, <sighs> And during one prayer meeting... We thought the power of the presence of God just come down. And suddenly this man began to say, he says, my feet are on fire. So he can say, my feet are on fire. And he starts to run out the church. I'm thinking, this man's got a severe heart condition. He's running out the church and starts running around the building. Three, four times. He's just running nonstop. He says, he says my feet are on fire. I've got to run. And when he returned back after his running, I'm so glad he did return back, incidentally. God had totally and completely healed him. It's almost as he responded to what God had said, that Rima word was activated and brought the supernatural healing power to his life. So we need to stretch out. Maybe for your stretching, maybe you need to apologize to someone. That's a good stretch, isn't it? We just say to someone, you know what? I apologize to you. Man, that, doesn't, that takes a lot of stretching to do that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Maybe part of your stretching might be there's someone I need to write a letter to. Part of your stretching might mean that you need to bless someone some way. Maybe you need to give to someone, some gift, something that God's letting you and you're just going to respond. Maybe you've got to need yourself and you see someone else with the same need. Isn't it amazing God does that? And here's the amazing thing. As you begin to act and meet that person's need, it's amazing that God begins to meet your need every time. Rise up, walk. And this is this other word he says. He says, arise. In other words, take a different position. Change your perspective. I want to say this in two ways. I actually think this, that... One of the things that limits us in life is because we have a, a wrong perspective. I think if we can see real transformation and change, we've got to change our perspective. Number one, we've got to change our perspective of the way we see God. 
If you see God from a wrong perspective, it will hinder your transformation and change. In other words, when I see that God's... One of the great revelations I talk about a lot, but I just love it and I love to remind us and encourage us. And when I see the goodness of God, the healing movement of the 50s, you like, in the USA, with people like Oral Roberts, those sort of people, was released when they began to get a revelation of the goodness of God. He would say things like, God is good. And people would be offended and upset that he said that. But that revelation of the goodness of God released an incredible healing anointing throughout the whole nation. We need to see how good God is. We need to see how merciful he is. We need to see, as I said earlier, how great and awesome he is. That often my wrong perspective of God will limit my life. If I've got a wrong perspective of him, if I don't really see him as good then it's going to limit what God can do in my life. If I don't really see him as, as the awesome, loving God, if I don't see him as a God of mercy, I tend to live my life full of condemnation and guilt because I've never had a revelation of the mercy of God. And many people live with deep-rooted guilt in their life that limits their life, and the real issue is they've got a wrong perspective that God's a God of mercy. Amen? And there's so much more. As we see who God is, we get revelation of, of who God is, it begins to transform and change us. That's what Paul says, is beholding the glory, I'm changed from one level to another level. As I behold the glory, as I behold the awesomeness and the greatness of God, as, that, as I see that, that's reflected in me, and I'm changed from one level to another level, from one degree to another degree. I also again need to get a true perspective of who I am. I think people are limited in life because they don't really see who they are. They see themselves as worthless, as valueless. They see themselves as limited and held back in life. I think your life changes when you really see who you are. When you really, I'm not talking about in your head, I'm talking about right in your heart. You really see, hallelujah, I'm a child of God. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. God actually lives and dwells inside me. I'm a new creation. The old has just utterly and fully gone. The new has begun. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I begin to see my life. Instead of someone who's constantly defeated, I see myself through God's perspective, which says, actually, I'm more than a conqueror. That's how I wake up and say, Lord, thank you for everyone I'm facing today. I'm more than a conqueror through you who loves me. And so I begin to change my perspective of who I am. As I, as I arise and change my perspective of how I see God, how I see myself, and I think the third thing I need to arise from, where Paul says, arise, sleeper, arise from the dead. Arise. In other words, shake off, which I think is the big thing that many struggle with, shake off apathy. Shake off that lethargicness. Shake off that dullness of heart. Shake it off. See, what, you, know, you know what apathy really is, don't you? Apathy is lack of feeling. In other words, I become a person like a water off a duck's back. Nothing seems to penetrate me. Nothing seems to touch me. Nothing seems to move me. Nothing seems to impact me. I don't feel or don't really sense any feeling for hurting broken people 
I've lost that ability to feel. Lost that ability to be moved and touched in my heart. And Paul says, come on, arise from that. Get some passion in your life. Stir up the passion inside you. Arise. Arise out of that apathetic condition. And then lastly, let me close with this. Oh, two more. Let me close with two more. I like this one. Take up your bed. I can't miss. I was going to miss this one, but I can't miss that. Take up your bed. In other words, have expectancy in your heart. You'll never change if you don't expect to change. Amen? Have an expectancy inside you. Live your life with a constant sense of expectancy. You constantly expect God's favor. You constantly expect God's blessing on your life. You're continually believing for the impossible. You're continually believing that God, with God, nothing is impossible. And when your life is connected to God, the impossible is always breaking through. Amen. In other words, you're expecting, you're expecting that that situation will be turned around. You're expecting that God can move in your life. You live your life with a perpetual, continual expectancy. I think one of the things the devil wants to crush in people's lives is where they've got no expectancy anymore. He crushes and quashes the, the expectancy. But Jesus says, come on, expect something to happen. Raise up your bed. Take up your bed. Move right out of the way. Expect you're going to get something happen in your life. Let me close with this. It's really this picture of, of the stirrings of the water. I think one of the ways that people have incredible change and transformation. Remember, the angel came down and he stirred up the water. It became like a Holy Spirit jacuzzi. Everybody loves jacuzzi. I love jacuzzi. I was swimming there. Jacuzzi afterwards, that is cool. I love the jacuzzis. And it was like a Holy Spirit jacuzzi. The waters were bubbling. The walls were told the water was being stirred. And every time somebody moved into the stirring, something happened. I want to encourage you this morning to come into the stirrings of God. God will bring opportunities that unless we take them, they will be lost. At a certain time, that pool will be stirred. If no one got into it, the opportunity would be lost. I think that God sometimes will bring stirrings in your life and God stirs things for your benefit. Maybe God's stirring you to pray for someone. He might be stirring you to meet someone's need. He might be stirring you to step out, to do something you've not done before. He might be to step out to witness. He might be stirring you to step out to witness a particular person. Every time you find the stirrings of God, it's a new season that's about to happen. I found that all the time. Every time I feel a stirring in my spirit, I think to myself, this is great. This is a new season. This is a new season about to begin because I feel the stirrings of God. As a mother eagle stirs its nest. How many have ever had their nest stirred? Oh, I've had it stirred a lot of times. Why does the mother eagle stir the nest? So she can see those little eaglets fly. They can go to new realms and new heights. But this is what she does. She dismantles the nest. Here's this beautiful, you know, this little eaglet. 
She's there in the nest, just sitting there, opening her mouth, the food would go in. What a great life. And suddenly the mother comes up and starts, because a mother eagle is an amazing mother. She'd put little toys there. She'd soften the nest and it'd be beautiful. And all of a sudden she starts to come, starts to rip that nest apart. And now the thorns are sticking in. It's not a very comfortable place to be because there's change and there's transformation. The nest is about to be stirred. She dismantles things. How many have found that God's dismantling things in your life? Things that you used to rely on, and God's just kind of kicking it out of the way. He's beginning to removing the, the false securities, the false things we tend to rely on. It's dismantling the nest so that you can come into a new transformation, a new realm, a new height. I would think sitting on briars, and I've sat on them before, is not a very pleasant experience. I found being out of the will of God is not a very pleasant experience. I'd rather be in the will of God. And I'm going to use this word. I know God doesn't take me literally, but you know what I mean. I'd rather be in the will of God in the middle of Alaska than in, than in the Caribbean. How's that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you could be in the greatest place on the face of earth. But it's an uncomfortable place to be. You're outside the will of God, it's uncomfortable. You feel perpetual disturbance. You feel awkward. You, you, feel, you, you, got, you feel that the power, the anointing, the presence, what was once there doesn't seem to be there anymore. And so you're struggling and you're striving because you're outside of the will. And God is coming and God is stirring the nests. And God's doing it in this day and this age, this generation is stirring our nests. He doesn't want us to be comfortable. He wants us to step out and to move out. So he can do something pretty amazing and incredible and change us and cause us to be the people. You know what? The truth is, you can never be all that he wants you to be in a comfortable nest. Amen? You've got to be changed and transformed. Why don't you just come before the Lord now in these moments? I've just got a few moments, but... Let's break free this morning. Of those limitations. You know what? God never put one of those limitations on your life. If you're limited or you feel something limiting you and holding you back, the truth is God didn't put it there. But I know he can break it. He can pull it off your life. So you can come into the fullness. That's what's Paul's prayer was for the church of Ephesus, that you might come into all the fullness of God. And that's God's destiny, God's purpose, God's will for you, that you would enter into all the fullness of God, his joy, his fullness of his joy, the fullness of his peace, fullness of his purpose, and fullness of his power. That's really what he calls us into that place to be. But we've got to shake off limitations. Arise, take up our beds, and begin to walk. And follow the stirrings of the living God. I say, Lord, this morning, do a work in me. It may take a week, it may take a month, it may take six months. But I want your touch. I want you to work in my life.
and change me so I would never be the same again. I don't want to live any longer with that limitation over my life anymore. I don't want to be held back and constantly pulled back by that same limitation. I've got a dream this morning of what I could be. A dream of what I could be in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all just stand just for a few moments right now. We're going we're gonna to pray for the sick this morning, but just for a few moments, this is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're right at the edge of the water right now, and Jesus is personally coming to you and say, do you want to change? If you do, then here's my word. Act upon it. Respond to it. And see your life be changed and transformed. We'll never be the same again. Just open your heart right now. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now to come into this very place today. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak, come and reveal, come and work and move on our hearts right now, Lord. Lord, we can't see it unless you reveal it to us, Lord. We can't go looking in our own ability, in our own intellectual understanding, but we, we pray, Lord, just come. Come in this place today. And just reveal all that you want to do in every heart and every life. Come, Holy Spirit. Just break free right now. Say, Lord, I'm breaking free in Jesus' name. I'm breaking free from those limitations. I'm breaking free from those things that have held me and bowed me for so long. I'm breaking free. I'm arising. I'm taking up my bed and I'm walking. I'm moving into a new level, a new realm, a new dimension. I'm moving forward. I'm arising. I'm arising. I'm arising. No more restricted. No more limited. I'm arising. Lord, work that in our hearts right now, Holy Spirit. Come and work that in our hearts. Come and work that in every heart right now. Come and work that in every heart right now. Come and work that in every heart, I pray. Come and work that in every heart right now, Holy Spirit. Come and flow. Come and move, Lord, upon every heart, upon every life. Come and touch, Lord, those who've got hurts and pains. Lord, I pray just lift those wounds, lift those pains, lift those deep things in hearts right now. Just lift it, just lift it, just lift it. Break those limitations. Lord, break those mindsets, Lord, those mindsets that limit you in our minds. Those wrong perceptions, those distorted views, God, break them down, I pray. We break down the strongholds. Lord, we break down religious thinking right now. We bind those, the, the lies and the deceptions, even now of the enemy. And Lord, we pray, release your truth into this place right now. Let the spirit of truth, Lord, be released and brought into this place right now in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church for more downloads information or to contact us please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk